Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, it's always special to me to be able to preach on Mother's Day because it gives me the opportunity to think about my own mother and the stories of growing up. And uh, if you ever met my mother, oh my gosh, you'd go, that's your mom? She's about this tall. <laughs> she's blonde. And she's got little short hair and she's very glamorous and tiny. I mean, just always has been that way, always put together. And when we were growing up, she was raising four of us all at the same time. And so you can imagine, we were not always the perfect angels. Now, she has taught me a lot about parenting through the way that I watched her parent us. And one very good lesson that we learned that she has taught to others is that when everything is quiet in the house, that doesn't mean that we are actually in our rooms reading our little kids' Bibles and saying our prayers. So when I was very young, perhaps four years old, and my brother was three, and I have to tell you, I called him yesterday because I was giggling so hard that I was, because I was getting ready for this sermon, and I, and I said, was it your idea, was it mine? And he said, I'm pretty certain it was yours. <laughs> okay, so we lived in South America, in Brazil, and my father was um, an engineer for an international company that made nuts and screws and bolts, and he was also a very talented do-it-yourself guy. I mean, he could fix anything, from a roof to plumbing, whatever. And so he, we've always had a workbench or a workroom in our home, and that was, goes the same with our, our house down in Brazil. It was in the garage, and there was all these workbenches and these beautiful cabinets on both sides that were filled with these little tiny um, boxes of nuts and screws and bolts, because that's what his company made. And then he also had all the nails, and everything was absolutely organized in little yellow boxes or little drawers and all this sort of thing. Well, one day, my grandmother, um, his mom, came to visit, and she and my mother went out, probably to go shopping and to have lunch. And my brother and I decided to go into the garage and take every one of those boxes down and every one of those drawers, and we dumped it on the floor, and then we got a broom, and we made soup. <laughs> My mother comes home, and she goes up the garage door, and the entire floor was covered with nuts and bolts and screws and whatnot. And she, she called in Maria Lucia, who was supposed to be watching us, and she said, well, I thought everything was good. It was so quiet, and Mom was like, that's not a good thing. <laughs> So mom had to, and they all had to clean all that up and just throw it in the trash can. There was no way to separate it all out. So um, mom was a good mom in lots of ways, and she, and uh, I will always remember that. And I was thinking about, you go, well, what does that have to do with today? I was thinking about our lives, and we so much in our lives, we compartmentalize everything. We put our time at church on Sunday, maybe a couple hours on a Sunday, and that's in that little box there. And then in this little box over here, we have 
um, our family life. And over here is what we do at work. And then we have little drawers for each person, how we treat them, how we think about them. Each person in our family. There's a lot in mine. i got a whole cabinet of those. And then we have um, also how we date, what we eat, how we treat our body, how we spend our money. We compartmentalize our lives. And what I think the gospel is about today is that we are supposed to somehow take them out. Because what if that's not how we're meant to be? What if, as a follower of Christ, we are actually called to more? What if we are really called to live an entire life of faith, wholly focused on God in all aspects of our life, living the way that he wants us to be as his child in this world, growing in grace for more and more people to see and draw to him. What if all of the nuts and the bolts and the screws of our life are supposed to be mixed in to some kind of holy soup? So the gospel today, let's remember where we are. We're actually up in the upper room and it's the night before the cross. And Jesus has just told his followers in chapter 14. He has given them the promise of heaven. I am going away from you, and where I'm going, you cannot come. But I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come back and get you. What a beautiful promise. And then right after that, he says to them, because he's just told them, I'm leaving you. He says, I am going to leave you an advocate. You will not be alone. And this is important. Because up until this point, the apostles have been following Jesus. He's been doing everything. He's been telling them where they're going to go. He's been doing all the teaching and the preaching. He's been doing those miracles and the feedings. And with the exception of a couple of days when he sent them out two by two and then they came back, our Lord has been leading the way completely and fully, bringing them up in the way that he wants them to be. And what they don't know is that in a matter of hours, he's going to be gone and then huge questions are about to come careening into their life. Where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to say? And all of this, as they're grieving and still trying very much to figure out what it all means. Their Lord and their Savior was their teacher. And he was also like our mother's. Who were raising, he was raising them up, preparing them to take on the next generations, to take over God's work in the world. And Jesus is very clear. His followers are reborn. That is a new thing. You are made into a new thing, a new life that will last forever. And that forever life actually starts on this side of heaven. And so in the meantime, we are to hang out here 
And we are to live into our role as a child of God. And this isn't some theoretical, um, you know, metaphorical child. We are actual children in the greatest reality. It is really who we are. This isn't some wish thing. It has already happened. And it is already true. And the fact is that we are supposed to live into that identity. That we are to be for the world who we are, a child of God. And act in His way with His leading and for His holy purposes. But God has sent us an advocate, a helper, His Holy Spirit. Because you see, living as a follower of Christ, thank heavens, it is not a do-it-yourself project. Otherwise, I'd be a complete failure at it. You think about it, it reminded me of all the, we learned this during the pandemic, during the coronavirus. When the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, it's like when those T-cells, I think is what it's called, they are activated and they actually kill off the virus within us. Well, you've been invaded by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit within you is killing off the dead parts, the bad parts, the dark parts, slowly, little by little, over your lifetime. But not only that, the Holy Spirit works within you to the extent you let Him to build you up, to shore you up, to ever make you holier and holier as you walk on earth here for God. In the words of the gospel that we just read, when we are followers of Christ who love him, he sends us his Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper, the encourager. And I love that thought. I mean, we've all been through hard times. I know that my Lord was with me and he was helping me throughout the way. And he's been there with my good times too. And he's also been the advocate. He will give us the words that we need to advocate for ourselves and for one another and for those people that are seen and unseen, the invisible, the downtrodden in our world. And he's also our encourager. I saw a painting uh, some time ago, and we always think about encourager as like moms, you know, oh, good, you're doing great, honey. <laughs> Please. Uh, anyway, but, but I was thinking actually in more of the ancient sense. There was this, uh, there's this picture, and it's the Holy Spirit, and he's got like a pitchfork in his hand. It's got a little po- po- arrow poking on the end, and he's like, in the painting. God does that. Sometimes he pierces our souls, pierces our conscience, and then other times he's just prodding us along, trying to get us to go the right way. I love that picture of the Holy Spirit, the great encourager. And so the Holy Spirit is within us, and he um, takes our imperfect attempts to love God and to love one another, and he can use it all, drawing us ever and ever closer, using it to grow and bear fruit for him. Because make, it no, make no mistake, the Christ life is definitely not a do-it-yourself project. It is a radical way of life. And it is supposed to take over 
all of our life. Every single little compartment, turning it into holy soup for God. I want to leave you with this, this image that I love that makes this point in such a fantastic way. I'm sure some of you all have read Mere Christianity, and if you haven't, um, I highly recommend it to you. But there is this image in there. By, it was a book written by C.S. Lewis, and this is what he says. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks on the roof and so on. And you know that those jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of throwing out a new wing here, putting in an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live with it, live in it himself. And the command, be ye perfect, is not idealistic gas. Nor is it command to do the impossible. He will make the feeblest and filthiest of us into a god or goddess, a dazzling energy and joy, radiant immortal creature pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love that we cannot even imagine it. The process will be long and in parts very painful, but that is what we're in for, nothing less. We are all under construction. And like any other construction project, it can be exciting, it can be a little dirty, it can be a little dusty, but it can be filled with the unexpected. And, but in the end, and hopefully at times during this process with our Lord, we will begin to glow and then shine brilliantly with the light of Christ within us as we become the unique individuals that he specifically created us to be. You know, my mom used to say, or she still does, do the best with what you got. I, for one, am thankful, however, that I have the Holy Spirit within me helping me work on my inner glow. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.